The following is a member of the Growler Media Podcast Network. Find out more at growlermedia.com. Comey Snake. Welcome to Escape from New York Minute, where we celebrate and analyze the dystopian classic One Minute at a Time. I am Molly Balin. And I am Eric Deutsch. And we welcome back Robert Black of Michael Myers Minute. Do you welcome me? No, no, great to be here. This is fun. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks for surviving another day in prison. (laughs) Barely. Yeah. Well, we have made it to Minute 59. And in this minute, Snake makes a break for the president over top of the train cars, and Brain tries to talk to the Duke's men into letting him and Maggie inside, and that doesn't really go that well. (laughs) So this location is, the actual filming location is St. Louis Union Station, and it's not too hard to figure out based on what we've been talking about with the filming of this movie and and just by the way a look of it, it was vacant at the time of filming. It has since been renovated. Apparently now it's a gigantic mall hotel complex. But at the time, uh, sometime before this movie was filmed, it was actually the world's largest and busiest train station. And the train sheds had the largest roof span in the entire world. And I guess that's that's a function of just the physical location of St. Louis right smack in the middle of the country, basically. Hmm. It is useful if you play uh, Ticket to Ride to go into St. Louis. Board game, sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, good, because I was thinking of, like, I was trying to think of the lyrics from the Beatles song. I was like, <laughs> No, it's a board, it's a board okay. game where you make train, <laughs> train routes across the country. Ah. Oh, okay. And the shooting script, however refers to this as Grand Central Station and that the car approaches it on a dirt road to a rear entrance. So once again, Molly, we've got a situation (laughs) where they really drop the ball on Manhattan geography. Grand Central Station is a gigantic building right smack dab in Midtown. There's no dirt road that leads to a rear entrance. There's no open train yard. It's all all the, the tracks are underground um but you're talking about the present yes i am not the future after it's been a prison for what nine years yes that's true too but even putting that aside the entire building would have had to evaporate it for this to be the (laughs) (laughs) right this doesn't structurally i I mean this is at least one of the very few new york references i can actually speak to having taken a train out of grand central (laughs) but yes this this has absolutely no resemblance to the actual building and i i will say that new york city does have outdoor rail yards i mean most of them actually are above ground there's a few underground but uh, you know usually they're they're terminus you know where the trains go or at uh, the end of their route or where they keep the trains when they have to be serviced or cleaned or something like that but as far as manhattan specifically only one of the above ground rail yards in the city is actually in Manhattan, but it's all the way up at 207th Street, which is way, way up at the northern tip. It's not anywhere near where in Manhattan this movie takes place. So it's it's just it's going to have to be chucked up as another one of those just screwing around with Manhattan geography in this movie. Mm. Just on a side note from last minute, Brain's like, oh yeah, it's like the second or last fire at the end or some such and 
there are just so many fires running around here. Like <laughs> I would really need much more specific directions. And especially as they're walking up there, it seems like there's three, four fires going. <laughs> so I'm just like, I know he's trying to give him some reference point of like which train car the president is in, but it's like, I, don't, I think you need to do a better job, bro. <laughs> I'm just saying. And so uh, Snake sneaks out of the car in the darkness. Braden and Maggie get out. They come up to the Dukes of Men here. And here's where we start to get a sense of just how poor Brain is at small talk with the common man. <laughs> and I, I think that he's one of those guys who thinks he's good at small talk, but isn't. He's like, oh, hey, you know, oh, hey, how about the weather, you know? And, and, and just the guy barely contains his annoyance. He's like, what do you want, brain? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I had a sense. And because I feel like, you know, especially when we talk about bringing in some of these other, you know, artistic projects that are separate from this movie in and of itself, which do, I'm sure, give context to some of these characters. But I think in this moment, I think it's very evident that this dude does not ask other dudes this dude meaning brain does not ask the other folks like, Hey man, Hey, how's the weather today? Like, Oh, it's gotten a little chilly, huh? You know, like (laughs) I don't think he ever has those kinds of, you know, casual water cooler conversations with the, the outside guards of the Duke's army. So in and of itself, it's just kind of ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, they, 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 they might be prisoner thugs, but they're not stupid. And it's, it's like, you know, (laughs) brain never, Brent not only probably never asked him about the weather, he probably never even talks to these guys. So well, and they're, they're technically indoors too, so it's weird to ask about the weather. <laughs> <laughs> um, is there a guy wearing a metal trash can cover right around forty seconds in? Whoa, okay, let me. Oh, like he's um, on the far left. Yeah, sort of like a flavor flave thing with something hanging around the neck there, huh? Yes, yes. Is uh, that it might like? Be a- it might be a hubcap. Oh, <laughs> is that like poor man's Kevlar? Is that what that is? Uh, yeah. I, hey, listen, I bet you you couldn't get a bullet through there. <laughs> <laughs> That's a Mythbusters thing right there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought that was interesting. I mean, we're going to see another gentleman inside like of the train. Got, yes, yes, exactly. Who's Who's got some interesting accoutrement. But I was trying to figure out what exactly he was wearing and you know, to a degree that's fashion or function. Well, you know, it's come up several times, most notably a brain's ascot that he wears, the <laughs> accessorizing that goes on inside the prison. And then it's a, it's a common thing in future uh, post-apocalyptic type stuff that people just kind of wear whatever. It sort mm-hmm. of, you know, gives that feeling of you're just scrounging for whatever you can. You don't really have much of a choice of what to wear and people just grabbing anything and so you, you get a lot of mismatched outfits and people are always in a lot of these movies just deciding to wear wacky jewelry or put weird things on that real modern society you would never see and i think it's just a way of maybe you know a movie telling the viewer it, it, the society has collapsed so people are just weird now and they're just doing things just <laughs> because they're all insane <laughs> does anyone in this movie i didn't notice do the mad max thing of wearing like parts of tires as armor i don't think so like tire because that that's a classic one mm-hmm. or like a bent license plate as armor like wrapped around your shoulder that's a good one mm. but hubcap on the necklace is pretty good it protects the heart sure yeah yeah totally if you end up in a fist fight you know <laughs> that's a whole area that you're that you're 
you're covered. Yeah, I mean, that could be your Captain America shield, and instead of <laughs> putting it on your back, you just put it on the front, and you're like, I'm, you know. Or you throw it. Or you throw it, yeah. Now, uh, Robert, you mentioned some, uh, a line that stuck out to you in the script um, yes- in yesterday's minute yeah. about Brain and, and his well, it's It's actually... Snake. Yeah, it's not dialogue. It's the description. It says, like, the camera angles back to show Snake walking on top of the railroad cars. He hasn't found the president yet, but he doesn't have time to wonder if Brain double-crossed him. Mm. Which, in the little description text, is kind of cool. Because it's like, you're le- like the script writer is letting us know Brain might turn on him, as we're reading. And that's an mm. interesting description to include in the script, too. Because, I mean, I don't even know how... I don't know how that's something that even would come across visually in the movie you right. know it's, it's it's interesting when he's when carpenter's writing the script he puts that in there and i mean he's the writer and the director yeah so, so he doesn't he need had, it right yeah i mean he had something in mind but yeah he not only he doesn't need it and if he had something in mind i'm not even sure what that could have been and yeah I'm, that's actually a really good point because because he is the writer and the director he can pretty much write things however he wants but if he were to take a script and sell it that's actually not good script writing at all for that reason that everything you write in a script really needs to be visual and that kind of additional info contextual information isn't necessarily maybe what might have some help to the actor who'd be playing brain but that's not you know something that i think a, a hired script writer would even put in for the reasons you're saying I wish I had one handy, but look at a copy of like a Shane Black script sometime if you want to see really outlandish descriptions of things. <laughs> he just throws in weird asides and descriptions about other movies and other things in the middle of like fights and car chases because his his brain doesn't do proper screenplay format. <laughs> <laughs> but he made it big. He did. He, he yeah. was entertaining Reed. And then Lethal Weapon was huge, and so he kept going. And you mentioned uh, Snake running across the top of the train, and it, that's a cool shot. And mm-hmm. it, it's it's on first viewing, you might not even see it the first time you're watching this movie because it's nighttime, because it's slightly out of frame. Uh, you might not have even seen him, frankly, sneak out of the car if you weren't paying attention. It's so dark. Mm-hmm. So it's just you know, it, it's it's a cool shot as we see Brain trying to talk to these guys, and then Snake sneaking away in the background yeah the camera does angle back so we can see it but we still might not look there right and it's only it's only for it's like maybe two three seconds he's out of focus so if you sneezed while you're watching this movie you didn't even see that (laughs) do you think it's plausible that they would not hear him running along the top of the train yeah i mean i think there's there's a way to run softly um i mean i'm you know obviously it's the metal roof but and it's very quiet, but I think there is a way to do it. I don't know about the guys that we're going to meet tomorrow inside the train not hearing it. <laughs> going right overhead, but I, 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 I could see the guys outside because their backs are turned. They're not really, you're not expecting it. So even if they hear a very slight noise, they might not even necessarily pay attention to it. Or it's so, not their problem because they're outside. There's guards oh, inside. Oh, right? yeah. Oh. That's, not, that's not my department. Like I'm off duty right now. That's why I'm by the fire. Silo, you get your work silos even in Manhattan prison. <laughs> when I'm wearing the hubcap, I'm off duty. <laughs> <laughs> so in the draft script, this location is incredibly different from what we ended up with. The president's essentially held in the middle of a labyrinth. And there's a section here of, this, of the draft script that I'm going to read to describe exactly what 
Carpenter's original idea was for here. Plopped right in the middle of Times Square lies a massive automobile graveyard. It is a complex, towering structure composed of rusted, broken cars piled on top of each other up to 30-foot peaks. The graveyard stretches across Times Square and extends up 42nd Street for several miles. The shells of the derelict cars are fused together by rain and wind and sun. The entire superstructure creaks in the night breeze. The station wagon grinds around impossibly sharp turns. The rear of the station wagon smashes into tiers of fenders and hoods. The pathway narrows. The station wagon scrapes along, whining against the walls, spraying sparks. The station wagon is wedged in between two towering walls of cars. And I'll keep everyone in suspense. I'll finish off that sequence in tomorrow's episode. But, (laughs) you know, that would have been an incredibly difficult location for him to stage. And Mm. it does not surprise me that that did not make it past the draft script stage. Yeah, because that would all have to be like matte painting and a couple repeat close-ups. That's going to get tedious. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. There's no way that he could have built that set with the budget that he had back then. It's a cool idea, though. Yeah, yeah, it's a cool idea. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you both about this. This is something that hasn't come up yet, Holly. Um, And since, Robert, you host Michael Myers Minute, Mm -hmm. one of the most antisocial characters. (laughs) There was, some years ago, this movie was released in a three-DVD pack with The Usual Suspect and Leaving Las Vegas. And the pack was called Antisocial Studies 101. It's an odd grouping of movies. So this movie obviously has a lot of antisocial people. The Usual Suspects does too. I only saw Leaving Las Vegas once, so I don't really remember it well, but I, I, I'm assuming Nicolas Cage's character probably was antisocial since it's just Nicolas Cage. Yeah. But the three movies, so even if all three have antisocial people in them as main characters, the three movies themselves, there's no through line really among those three movies. And it's just, it was no. a very odd pairing see that yeah that doesn't those don't fit no they really don't at all i mean i i know that there was a time because I'm, I'm trying to think I, I picked up a couple of dvd sets this was you know in the, the height of blockbuster days where a couple of packs had come together and i had gotten like uh one hour photo and something which i, I think i and i didn't even really want one hour photo but i oh, got it with a great movie though really i just <laughs> never I saw, saw it, it. never <laughs> saw it Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Yeah. Oh, you know what it was? I got, it was one hour photo and the devil's advocate. That's oh, what it was. Those yeah. Don't put together. together at all. No, they don't. But I really wanted devil's advocate. Um, and so I was willing to put up with one hour photo. But no. yeah, it, I feel like there was this time where I, I don't know if publishing companies were, your distribution companies were, were cutting a deal for whatever reason. We're going to like do this thing and this thing and, and put it together. But yeah, those three, three movies have nothing to do with one another here at all. And leaving Las Vegas is sad as shit because, mm-hmm. you know, because uh, Cage is like a, a just profoundly suicidal from alcoholism and is just yep. bound and determined to die. And it's just it's a it's one of those very, you know, emotionally triggering you know, Oscar nominee. I don't probably even won a few Oscars. I think. I think it did. Yeah. Yeah, I think maybe Elizabeth Shue got a best actress for that or something. But um, don't quote me on that. But I remember it. It was it was definitely a big contender that year. But yeah, just like 
you got like that, which is kind of a bummer of a movie. And then you've got this put in there with it, plus Usual Suspects, which is its own complete jam. Yeah, it's such a strange, nonsensical set. And the only other thing I can think of is that someone was doing some sort of marketing analytics, which is people who like bought Leaving Las Vegas or, you know, saw Leaving Las Vegas also really enjoyed this other movie. So they're they're basing it on something that isn't about content, but is about the target demographic buying something. Yeah, the decision screams office suit. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, it just it just screams that. No, I Someone have... who doesn't really understand movies and just like, uh, we need to get something out there for the holiday season. Uh, take these three movies and come up with a cool name for the pack. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, just for the record, yeah, Nicolas Cage won for Leaving Las Vegas. Elizabeth Shue was nominated, but didn't win. Uh, okay. And the director was nominated, but didn't win. Um, but I like, I kind of like the idea of three movies that don't go together being sold together. <laughs> like if you have a cheap DVD set, but I don't like that name. I, I, cause it's cool when you get a bunch of movies on one thing that, that used to be a thing now, not as much cause people don't get physical media as much, but getting three completely different movies for one person to watch them is kind of cool. Cause they're going to find different interests. Mm. I was trying to think of how you should watch those three. Because it'd be like, watch The Usual Suspects, and it's really serious. Watch Leaving Las Vegas and get really depressed. And then you watch this, so you get all your energy back up and be <laughs> Or this, Usual Suspects, and Leaving Las Vegas, and you never see another movie ever again. because <laughs> Man. Well, let me ask you guys, what would you packages, package this with if you had to pick two other movies? Uh, okay. Um... Fortress. And what's that one? Lockout? Just go oh right yeah that was the one the the lawsuit that was the luke Besson one see and i was thinking more i was going away from the prison motif and i was focusing more on the future dystopia motif i was going maybe death race 2000 and one and like the road warrior or something mm, yeah or put it with um total recall the arnold schwarzenegger version because they both have interesting cab drivers Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then a third one would be, I guess, uh, the Fifth Element. Oh yeah, yeah. Or tech ta- or a Taxi Driver. <laughs> right. Now, there's an antisocial movie. Yes. Yeah. Well, Escape from New York, Taxi Driver, and some other New York dark movie. I don't know. Like Raging Bull or something. Is that New York? It's been a while since I've seen it. I don't know where it Ooh, takes place. Ooh, yeah. No, that's God. I want to say it was, but maybe that's not the case. I'd have to. I've only seen it once, so I'd have to look that back up. But for some reason, I had it, and maybe that's just a Scorsese type thing. But yeah, I have to double check on that. But I think that. I I, I know Raging Bull is considered this big masterpiece, but years ago, my wife and I got rented it, and we got twenty minutes in, and we both fell asleep, and we decided (laughs) not to finish. Oh, interesting. I feel and like, I like I like Scorsese. I just we just we hated it. I feel like it gets a lot of hype because of the transformation that De Niro goes through physically. Yeah. He was one of the first actors to like famously do that sort of thing, physically transform himself for a role. All right, that's all I've got for this minute. Either of you have anything else for this minute? Not specifically. Uh, nope. I think I'm good. All right, Robert, uh, thanks again for joining us today. Give everyone again uh, a little taste of where they can find all your stuff out there. Uh, lemmingdrops.com is where you can find links to all of my various movies by minute show. 
One in particular I want to mention today because uh, I think the lighting in this scene is awesome because it's both dark and you can see things. So I want to mention Mandy Sucks Minute because in that movie, the lighting is awful and you can't see things. <laughs> the movie is called Mandy Sucks? No, the movie is called Mandy. Oh, okay. <laughs> but it sucks. Ah, okay. <laughs> the subtitle nice. is a podcast fueled by hate. Oh, <laughs> oh you're hate. Oh, oh. Oh, there's a nice twist of the movie. I admit it. I hate watching movies by uh-huh. that. Okay. Oh, wow. You've got guts, man. <laughs> yeah, it's painful sometimes. I, I can't even, I don't even listen to shows of movies I don't like. And you're actually doing a show of a movie. Well, I, I do I do no prep. I don't do research. I just find uh, the minute I need, press play. I didn't even cut the movie up. I just press play where the movie needs to be. <laughs> That's the greatest premise I've ever oh, heard for movies by minute. <laughs> well, everyone, let's 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 call it out. Robert is known for doing very alternative movies by minute <laughs> shows. Um, our producer, who's not allowed to speak this season, who of course did speak during Flash Gordon, Brad, and I appeared on Dave Made a Minute, yeah. which was a very strange movie, and possibly this is the this is the only way that this movie could have even been tackled. A movie by minute. Robert had people do randomly assigned minutes of the movie whether they'd seen it or not and non-consecutive minutes as well mm-hmm. and we were told to do as little or as much research as we wanted and so brad and i had never seen the movie and we didn't watch the movie we only watched our three minutes and again they were not consecutive minutes and just riffed on those three minutes and i still have never watched the movie i have no idea what the <laughs> hell was going on i bet you my takes on what was going on in the minutes made absolutely no sense whatsoever to someone who has seen the minute but uh, it, it, it was a, a very unique project that I was very happy to be part of. Yeah, that show was fun. And surprisingly, most of the takes were accurate. <laughs> <laughs> which which I think is good filmmaking, that like in, you watch a minute and you can tell what's going on. All right, so uh, you can have a nice chat with us if you want to on Facebook in Brain's Library, the Escape from New York Minute Hangout. You can chat with us on Twitter, NY Minute Pod. You can subscribe to the show, you can rate and review us, all kinds of things you can do. And until you do do those things, though, be on time, stay out of the sewers, and we'll meet you on the other side of the wall.